the full wheel chase experience. I love it. The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase podcast. I mean, once I left the, the Dodgers, I stayed in touch with him over the years. And I, I mean, like I can remember sometimes for some weird reason, I was in his phone in a place where he would butt dial me. So I would occasionally get these like Vince Scully is trying to FaceTime. And I'd look at my phone and be like, this is ridiculous. Like he obviously yeah. isn't trying to FaceTime. Josh Rawich, the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame. How are you? Doing great. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Oh, definitely. It's really cool to be able to chat with you. And right off the bat, I'm just curious about your background. I know, of course, you have a baseball background working with the Dodgers, the Diamondbacks. So how did you get into those roles in uh, Major League Baseball? Well, so I was very lucky when I was a freshman at IU. um, I had a professor my freshman year say, don't be afraid to send your resume to your hometown team. You never know what will happen. And I didn't even have a resume, but I kind of threw something together, fired it off. And and in the mid-90s, things were a little less... um, Oh, a little less uh, challenging to break into the world then. So I, I was fortunate enough to land an internship after my freshman summer with the Dodgers. And I just kept begging them to come back. Uh, I just kept uh, doing more and more, taking on more responsibility. And then when I graduated college, uh, a full-time position opened up r- like two weeks before I graduated. So stars aligned and I was able to spend all those years at the, at the, at the Dodgers. And then while I was at the Dodgers, I met uh, a guy who would be eventually become the president of the Diamondbacks. He's the one that pulled me over to over to Arizona. And uh, while I was there, I met the president of the Hall of Fame. And when he left, he's the one that pulled me to Cooperstown. So a lot of times, um, just if the people that you meet throughout your career help you get to your next step. Sounds like it was that easy, huh? It sounds way. I mean, it, it, I it's know. pretty crazy. I do feel very, very fortunate that it's worked out the way that it has. Yeah, definitely. I have had some internships as well. So I know what it's like kind of uh, being able to meet people, make those connections. So that's really cool to hear. And then with the Dodgers and the D-backs, I know you were doing like marketing and PR and and then content. You were the senior vice president of content and communications with Arizona, right? Yeah, that was my role when I left. Yeah. So what what were those roles like for you in terms of just kind of the responsibilities that you had with those teams or with the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks at least? Yeah. So as I was coming up in kind of marketing and PR was a lot different. It was functions of like advertising or, or actual media relations where I'd work on the game notes or the, the media media guide or setting up interviews with players and things of that nature. But as I kind of moved up at the Diamondbacks, when I moved to the Diamondbacks, our president there, Derek Hall, who was came from the same sort of background as a, as a PR person, uh, he had kind of promised he would let me get involved in all sorts of things that um, – you know, maybe not every PR person in the league would have that opportunity to do. And he he came through in a million ways. There were so many opportunities to sit in and watch how he learned and how, learn how he led an, an organization. And so by the time I left, I guess I was ultimately overseeing a handful of departments, everything from the media relations and, and PR department to the graphic designers to our in-game big screen board and the, the events that we would put on that were sur- like stuff you'd see on the field before the game, the first pitch and that sort of stuff. Um, there were, there were basically everything that you would see publicly was what I was responsible for. Um, and I wound up social media, those sorts of things. Um, so as I, as I ultimately kind of got to be responsible or my, all the people in our area were responsible for what the team looked like and sounded like that's, that's basically what the senior VP of content and communications was at the D backs. Yeah, it's really awesome. That reminds me of my internship with the Green Jackets in Augusta in 2016 on a very smaller level, of course, compared to the major leagues. But yeah, I was doing a lot of that uh, 
communications type stuff, the marketing type of things. So, and of course, now, of course, you're the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame. So how did, I know you mentioned that you met someone with Arizona that, that led you to where you are now, but like, how did that kind of come about for you? Or in your in your wildest imagination, could you have expected something like that? No, I mean, there really isn't. And 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 um, I can remember the day that Jeff Eidelson, who was my predecessor here, he was the president and he worked at the hall for almost, I think, 25 years between his time in communications at the hall and as president. He called one day and I knew he was leaving and I thought he was calling to tell me where what what his new job was going to be. And he said, hey, I just curious if you've ever thought about my position here. Um, there's a few of you in the game that I think would be pretty good that I'm passing your names on to the board. And I just if you're not interested, I won't pass your name on. But if you if you'd want to have a conversation, um, I, I think you'd be a good fit for it. And I just remember being like kind of dumbfounded. Nobody thinks they're going to go from <laughs> Cooperstown to them. Yeah, like it yeah. just is not a thing that anybody would ever imagine would be where their career would lead them. Um, but I, I said, well, I'm, I'm honored. I'm floored. Let me go home, talk to my wife and see what she thinks. Um, and when I came home that night, I remember saying to her, like, you're not going to believe the call I got today. And I told her about it. And she said, how would you ever turn that down if you got offered that position? That is, that is, and so I've just, I've been very, very lucky to have an incredibly supportive spouse and um, family was great. There. So ultimately that's how, that's how it led to this was, was I then went through the interview process with, our chairman of the board, Jane Forbes Clark, who ultimately is my my boss here, um, I answer to the board. But other members of the board who were part of the search committee, everybody from Cal Ripken Jr. I interviewed with to the commissioner of baseball, oh, wow. Rob Manfred's on our board, uh, Harvey Schiller, who's a, a titan in the industry. And ultimately, they landed on uh, as me as the, the right fit. That's awesome. So uh, what are your daily what's your daily life or the duties as the president? Like what's your daily day basically like uh, in Cooperstown? Hmm. It, it varies a lot from day to day um, because when you think about an organization, this big, we're more much bigger than I think most people realize. We've got about ninety full time employees and probably closer to two hundred when you're talking about part time employees. Um, there's always, I mean, today alone, we've we've covered everything from the upcoming era committee election to the BBWA voting process to personnel issues, just like any other company would have, to budget planning for next year to. Um, Possible donors were a nonprofit. Most people think we get funded by MLB, but we're a completely separate nonprofit. So, um, talking about the membership process, there's honestly on any given day, I probably have I don't know, six to eight different meetings on different topics tied to something going on at the hall. Um, and that's what I, part of what I love is that it's not all one specific thing. It actually it could be a different thing any day, and I I love that. It's in a lot of ways, it's not that dissimilar from running any other business. Um, there's finance, there's HR, there's legal, there's all these things that you're dealing with. Um, and I love that. I think that's pretty cool. And I can imagine just like any job, all the specific challenges that can come along, but probably none greater than what happened with the pandemic in 2020, right? Yeah, I was still with the Diamondbacks when that happened. And it truly was, I mean, I think about the the, the worst day in my career, frankly, was the day that we had to let about a quarter of the staff Either, either let them go or furlough them for multiple months. And it just nothing, nothing you do in college or in your career leading up to that can ever prepare you to deal with changing people's lives and careers and livelihoods. And, and then ultimately trying to figure out how are we going to get through all this stuff and how do you, I mean, we were, I was one of the few people that was allowed to be around the team because I was traveling. So you're, you're testing, you're, you're doing COVID tests every, I think every other day we were getting tested and, you're living in this bubble and it just it was really um in so many ways like an unbelievably 
horrible time. And yet I feel like baseball, baseball did an incredible job somehow of pulling through it. Um, at the end of the day, they were able to crown a champion. They were able to have a season, um, something that I don't think any of us thought when, yeah. I mean, when it, when it first happened in, in March, I think most of us thought, well, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. And once you started realizing come May and, and June, just how serious this was to be able to then be back where we are now is pretty amazing. And my understanding at the hall here was it was equally as challenging, if not more, because you're really in a bit of a remote area and trying to get people to come here was a huge challenge. And as a nonprofit, we, we, we got hit pretty hard. What are your maybe typical challenges now? Uh, as you're the president of the, of the hall of fame, uh, what's, what's maybe things that you're, I don't know, working, working on, working towards maybe things that aren't as, I don't know, I don't want to say as easy as you might have thought, but you know, what are like maybe those typical challenges like? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing, and I talked a lot with Jane about this when we, when we went through the interview process, but how do we keep this, this incredible institution relevant for the next generation of fans? I think about the first time I came with my dad about 20 years ago. Um, and it just, it, it's a different venue now than it was then. And it's going to have to be different 20 years from now because kids are going to be going through this building and they're going to be very different than the way my grandparents would have walked around in the seventies. Or I mean, you think about a place that's gone back to 1939. It's, it's in so many ways, what makes this place so special is that it, it, it's feels like stepping into a time machine. You walk around on main street and there's not a lot that's changed. It feels very similar. And yet we know that our fans consume baseball differently and they, they don't just want to walk around and look at just, here's a really cool baseball or a document or a photo they want to be interactive. So I think a lot of what we're working on is how do we make this place continue to be relevant for the next generation of fans? And then honestly, a lot of what I do is how do we, how do we fund all these things that we want to do? Because um, like I said, as a nonprofit, part of what we're doing is we're looking for donors who, who look at this and say, you know what, I want to be a part of the hall of fame. I want to help preserve the history of the game, but it's not, I mean, when you, when you think about the charities you might support, you think about the American cancer society or juvenile diabetes or, those things are, are kind of ever present in people's lives. Cooperstown isn't necessarily the sort of thing where you think, ah, it's the end of the year. I should find a way to help preserve the history of the game or help, help digitize these documents or whatever. So um, we're always thinking about how can we raise money to try to do the things that we want to try to do in the years to come. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I actually work with nonprofit fundraising. So it's kind of in that area, it's kind of familiar, but yeah, uh, it's so really, it. really interesting. Yeah. 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 Uh, what are your, what are your favorite parts? I mean, you have what feels like the coolest job, right? I know it's very important and serious and things like that, but I mean, at the end of the day, you're the president of the hall of fame. So what's your favorite parts or things that you've maybe come across or been able to do? I'm sure you've interacted with so many hall of famers. Yeah. Uh, what's I mean, maybe the top of your list? It, it is as cool as you would think it would be. There's no doubt. I mean, I, I really, there are days where I really can't believe that this is where my career has led me. And I feel very, very fortunate and, and grateful. Um, I mean, yes, yeah, certainly dealing with the Hall of Famers. Uh, every anybody who's a living Hall of Famer at this point, I've had the chance to speak to, and in many cases, spend time with and get to know a little bit. And I love that. I mean, that obviously that would be any kid's dream to like look around and you're sitting on the stage at the at the induction and your baseball card collections come to life to, uh, sitting all around you. But I think what's really there's two things that I think probably more than anything more than the Hall of Famers, and this isn't a knock on the Hall of Famers. It's just it, more of what the job is. Is a I love. I love leading an institution of people that care deeply about this place. So I come in every single day and I just, I love the idea that what we're trying to do is preserve the history of this game that I've loved since I was five years old. That's a really cool thing to say you get to come in and do every day. 
And then the other really, really cool thing, frankly, is um, almost every day I get to do something that that the person on the other end is going to remember for the rest of their life. Not because I'm Josh Rawich, it's because the title behind my name, I might send an email and somebody will write back and be like, this is the coolest thing in the world. I got an email from the president of the Hall of Fame or you like a tweet or you introduce somebody to their favorite player or you maybe let them hold a I had a big donor here earlier today and um, we brought them on a collections tour and they got a chance to hold a, a Lou Gehrig bat in their hands. They are going to be talking about that for the next 50 years of their life. And almost every day we do something where that's the feeling that these people get. And I just don't think there's a whole lot of jobs certainly felt that way. The diamondbacks and Dodgers where you just, you could always you, you hand a little kid a ball on the field and they're, 25 years ago, 25 years from now, they're going to say, I remember that guy at the Diamondbacks who handed me that baseball on the field. And um, it's just an incredibly cool thing that this sport does for, for people. Yeah, that is really cool. Um, I was curious too. So I don't know how your role may or may not even interact in terms of like the, like the balloting, the voting process. Uh, what do you have a, is your role in any way? I mean, it feels silly to ask is it in any way intertwined with that, but I don't really know how your role might work in terms of like the voting and that process and how that works out. So sure. what is that kind of like for you in terms of when uh, that time of year comes for the Hall of Fame voting for the next class comes in? Yeah, so we have a really, really talented um, staff here. And one of the one of the key people who leads that is John Shestakovsky. He's our vice president of communications and education. And he's really kind of the, the guru on voting and on the, the process. What he'll do, and in fact, literally yesterday, we just announced the names of the, the new, the 28 people that'll be on the BBWAA ballot. Um, he sent, he and his staff um, sent out 400 ballots to all the baseball writers who are eligible. And it comes with a letter that's got my, my I, I prove it and I sign, my name is on it. Ultimately, it's it's um, encouraging, the, thanking them for their role in helping document history. And so I, I would say I'm involved every step of the way in both processes, the, the BBWAA and the, the era committee process, which is coming up next month at the, at the winter meetings, where we look back at um, eras of those who didn't get in through the baseball writers. Um, they'll get a chance, they'll get a second chance to be looked at by a committee of 16. And this year it's those from 1980 forward. But I mean, literally the, the entire process I'm very, very familiar with. I mean, I'm involved with, I'll be in the room when the okay. era committee will sit and talk through the eight candidates who are on the ballot. And then um, ultimately, I guess I get to be the one who, who is on national TV and announces who gets in, which is, again, you just think of when you're growing up a fan of all of these guys, the idea that that's part of my job now is really pretty insane. Yeah, no, I figured that you probably had a pretty direct role with that. But and I didn't I didn't think that it was like, oh, when that day comes that we had, we hear the the country or the world, I guess, finds out who's getting inducted. I figured you already knew before that. But I was kind of curious with how but your not, role not played much, into that. Not much before. Yeah. I, mean, I really don't yeah. find out until I mean, the the, the era committee process, um, the meetings happen throughout the morning. So I might know a few hours before, but it's not like I know days before. And on the BBWAA, we don't know. Same thing. Like we, we tallied the 400 ballots over the course of a day and then we go on live TV later that night. So, I, again, I might have an hour or two heads up, but we don't have any more knowledge than than you do prior to that. Yeah, it's funny talking about, uh, you know, 2020 and COVID and everything. Uh, I had actually planned to go to Cooperstown for the first time. 2020, right before COVID, literally the week before everything shut down, I had everything set up to go. 
I was going to go for Jeter's induction, basically. And then that's when COVID happened. And I was like, this probably won't happen. In 2021, I finally got there. So it was cool to finally, for me to finally get there, made the personal solo trip, finally saw the induction, got into the museum. So it was really incredible to finally make it there and, and see that. So yeah, it was definitely something I was definitely able to you know, one of those like bucket list items I was glad to be able to knock off. It's I mean, what's amazing is how many people put it on their bucket list. And then I, yeah. I it, it kind of surprises me how I'll talk to people in the game who have worked in baseball for 20 years, 30, and they said, no, I've never made it there. I've been meaning to go forever. And the reality is it's not that, I mean, people do weekend trips to all sorts of places around the country and you could easily fly on a Friday, be here Friday night, spend all day Saturday and part of Sunday at the museum and go home. And it's, it's actually a fairly simple trip to do. I, I mean, I get that we aren't, 10 minutes from the airport, but right. it's, um, it is so well worth it when people do make that, that trek and that, um, pilgrimage, it's worth it every single time. And we see it, we see people walking around the plaque gallery and they're just kind of, their mind is blown that they're, they're in this place that they've heard about forever. Um, and people, I think a lot of people think that we're just the plaque gallery, but we're, as you know, cause yeah. you've been a three story museum yeah. with all sorts of really cool stuff all over the museum that you can, and, and it takes you back to when you were a kid and whoever, whatever era you grew up watching, you're, you're looking at your favorite players. Here's their spikes or here's a bat or here's a glove or here's a document that from the library. There's just it's just it is well worth the trip. I hope people do make that that pilgrimage like you did. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm in Virginia and it was like a honestly, it was an easy seven hour or so drive. And I was like, this is actually pretty simple. I just knocked it out in a couple of days. I mean, I got there and. You know, on a Tuesday, yeah. induction on Wednesday, back on like Thursday. And I was like, that was easy. I could do that again. So, well, you should. I hope you do. And I hope, uh, hope you let us know when you're coming. Cause there's, there's also, there's what, what, what is cool. It's funny. My parents happen to be in town right now. And they were just talking about how when you're, when you're here in the wintertime, November, December, January, February, you can be, you almost have the Hall of Fame almost to yourself. There are days where you can, you're walking around and you just, you get, there's not a whole lot of people around you. And that's really, really cool. And when you come during the summertime, there's a million other things to do in Cooperstown that people don't really think about. Other museums, we, we sit right on this amazing lake. You can rent a boat, go out on the lake. If you're a golfer, you can go golfing. There's all sorts of art museums and children's museums and really cool places. Just walking around on Main Street, you could do for a few hours, walking in and out of the shops. And so I think it's, it's um, again, I think some the, the vision of what Cooperstown is, some people may think, oh, it's just this simple all the only thing there is the hall of fame and that's definitely not the case it's really an amazing spot oh yeah definitely i was staying in oneonta like a half an hour or so away just drove up and i had it all planned out so meticulously because i wanted to make sure i hit everything i was trying to do and it worked out so i was like going in i was like i had my blueprint plan of like all right i need to be here at this time to get to the induction site back to the museum so it really worked out pretty well uh i'm curious too so what's i'm sure you have tons of like incredible stories but what's maybe something that kind of uh, comes to mind first when you think about like I talked you know maybe it was like I don't know I'm throwing names out Vince Scully or whoever <laughs> uh, Derek Jeter or any Hall of Famers maybe that you've interacted with or or otherwise maybe things that you've done or seen or heard or talked to in terms of like that's at the top of your list basically well I mean just you mentioned those two names and I, I, I do feel very fortunate that almost any Hall of Famer you can throw out there I can tell you some story of some interaction but Vin in particular um, I was very close with when I was at the Dodgers. He just he he was my childhood idol. It was really what I thought I wanted to do when I went to school was to be a broadcaster. And it wasn't until I started doing sports marketing and management that I actually realized I didn't. But to 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 have your childhood hero, somebody like Vin Scully, 
um, become someone that I would literally almost every day for many years go into the booth, check in with him, see what's going on, give him some information that he might use on the air, answer whatever questions he has. Um, I mean, at, once I left the the Dodgers, I stayed in touch with him over the years. And I, I mean, like I can remember sometimes for some weird reason, I was in his phone in a place where he would butt dial me. So I would occasionally get these like Vince Scully's trying to FaceTime and I'd look at my phone and be like, this is ridiculous. Like he obviously yeah. isn't trying to FaceTime me. Um, but I stayed in touch with him and I remember calling him when I had the opportunity to, to take this job or to, to interview for this job. And I said, I just want you to know I'm going to put you down as a reference on the on my resume and carry it just curious what your take is and he was oh josh you would be so great at that i just th-. and it was just to hear your childhood voice um tell you how happy he was for me when i got this position and um it's just one of so many opportunities that i've had that just on a daily basis i count my blessings and really the other the other huge passion that i i love traveling traveling internationally i've done uh, endless amounts of trips and 40 four countries or so over my, over my life, just backpacking with my friends. But I've also had the chance to, I think, work in nine or 10 countries specific to baseball and seen games in China and Venezuela and the Dominican and Mexico and Australia and New Zealand. And to be able to travel the whole world and, and sit down with Sadahara O and listen to him talk about hitting with myself, Tony La Russa, Randy Johnson and Luis Gonzalez, that like, who gets to do that? It's I, like I a Mount just, Rushmore. It really, and I, and I find myself yeah. like often sitting in these rooms, going, "I have no business being in this room with these guys." But um, it's a, uh, I've I've never lost sight of how fortunate I am to have those opportunities, and um, yeah, I just feel very very lucky that this sport that I've I've given my life to has given me so much more back. Yeah, definitely. I was curious too. Um, so with regards to like a Hall of Fame induction ceremony, what kind of how cha- I guess how challenging is it to plan one of those and not not even a COVID year, just a normal year in terms of just like the next one, 2023. Yeah, uh, I'm sure that planning is already underway, but or will be soon, if not already. But uh, what kind of goes into all of that, all those logistics? Yeah, what's really cool about um, specifically that event is that it does really we, we really like the week after everybody kind of tries to veg a little bit and recover but then pretty quickly you're getting back into okay let's plan for next year when you're talking about a town of of less than 2,000 people hosting 30 40 50,000 people and the amount of logistics that go into it are mind-boggling and yet they've been doing it here for so long that everybody kind of knows their role Um, yes of course endless hours of planning go into it but what's what's so cool from my standpoint is to watch the staff who who they may have taken a job as a librarian and that's what they love to do. But for that weekend, they're running transportation or it might be somebody in the warehouse and that's what they're trained to do is shipping and receiving and merchandise. And that's what, but what they're going to do during, during induction weekend is hospitality at the hotel with the hall of famers. So everybody kind of has their other roles. People know it, they love it. They thrive in that environment. Um, it is incredibly taxing. Uh, it's it's not just one Sunday. It's all of the events for the the days leading up and the days afterward, and all the media pieces. I mean, you've got hundreds and hundreds of media members coming in. So I mean, it is a it's an it's a ton of work, but it's something that everybody here takes great pride in being able to execute and say, like, you know what, my job may be as a receptionist under normal circumstances, but for that weekend, I'm helping whatever at the media center with credentials and it just it's a really really cool thing to watch have happen and uh 
you just it's uh, if you haven't seen it, it's really hard to explain when you watch a town with just a handful of streets and 2000 full time residents turn into the center of the baseball universe for a weekend. Yeah, no, I'm glad I got to experience that. And it was, of course, 2021. So it was on that Wednesday, not the typical Sunday, but probably, I mean, it was still a huge crowd. I know it wasn't quite as big as normal, but, you know, that that also reminds me again, being in Augusta during Masters week, I had nothing to do with the Masters, but I just remember seeing what it was like for, you know, the entire world basically in in one one small town for a week or so. So I can kind of understand what you're you're referencing there. Yeah. And they, I mean, you can imagine the the full-time staff, most places have an event staff. If you're an event company, if you're putting on a golf tournament, your job is to have event people do that. And here we have literally one person whose full-time job is events and the rest of the company's full-time job is other things, whether it's merchandise or finance or whatever, HR, and you've got to figure out, okay, well, how do we get volunteers here? Someone's got to coordinate hundreds of volunteers passing out water because it's getting hot. We want to make sure that nobody passes out in the actual field out at the Clark Sports Center. So just a, a huge point of pride for this place and something I've really enjoyed seeing. Yeah, one of the last things I had. So I think you kind of touched on it already. I was going to ask you what your goals for the Hall of Fame and moving forward. And you kind of touched on touched on that in terms of kind of how to like you're basically, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but basically saying how you can kind of keep things relevant for the next generation and beyond. But is that kind of like the the main or among the goals that you have is is that aspect or are there maybe some other like other things as well maybe that you're like really excited about for whether it's the upcoming, you know, few years or really any time. But well I tell you that the, the the thing that the whole institution has been working on that we're all very excited about and, and will be coming in twenty twenty four is our next big exhibit is going to focus on black baseball. Um, the history of black baseball going back to the 1800s all the way through modern times and some of the best black players in the game today. Um, we, when we, the, the, the hall is actually, um, I think most people are surprised. We've had various types of exhibits focused on black baseball going back 30, 40 years. Um, and as time has gone on, we, we, we've taken what was at one point a small case and then eventually that was focused on the Negro leagues. And then come 1997, we did a full exhibit on, um, basically the history of black baseball up to that point, but 25 years have passed. So we're, we're completely redoing the exhibit that's focused on black baseball. And then on top of that, it, there's going to be elements that, that go out and travel in the community and that are going to be online. So the whole institution is really heavily involved in this project that uh, when we open it in April, 2024 is going to be a, just an incredible, uh, I just think something that, that, that everybody here is going to be proud of. And hopefully the the community will be proud of and, and that people will learn a lot from you just when you're, when you're a history institution like this, that focuses on, we're constantly trying to learn new things. And I think it's not a lot of jobs maybe where you feel like every day you're coming in and you learn something new, but I I mean, literally every single day I'm, I'm learning something new. So I would say that's the next major initiative that we're really focused on. As I mentioned, some of the technologies and some of the other, um, I think we're just there's there's in a few years we may be looking at the first time we have a, a Japanese player inducted into the Hall of Fame with Ichiro and all that would go into that sort of thing, but you don't want to look too far ahead. We hopefully we've got some great classes between now and then that will keep building. And, and I guess that ultimately what we're trying to do is get people to come to Cooperstown. That's what at its at its core we want people to come visit us here, and um, I think we have to keep finding ways to make people do that. There's more and more options for your dollar. And people could stay at home and do things online and we want them to get up, get in the car or get on a plane, come see us and then tell everybody what a great time they had when they were here. 
definitely. Well, I have to say, I was watching an interview that you did with the MLB Network on YouTube earlier. It was uh, I watched it this morning, but you did it a couple months ago, I believe. And uh, one of the things that you mentioned was that you like uh, basically people that try to get on your radar or um, you know reach out to you or get in your inbox, basically. And I had, of course, reached out before I saw that, but I was like, oh, I'm glad I did that. So you never know until you try. So I'm glad I was able to uh, reach out to you and talk with you today. Well, I appreciate you doing that. And uh, honestly, I think this industry is filled with people who want to help people who want who look at others who love the game. And I, I mean, I got so many people who helped me throughout my career. That, that's what I try to do is give back a little bit, um, whether it's to students who are aspiring to be in a, in a career like this or just being able to spread the word about what's going on at the hall on a podcast. I think that's all an important part of this job. And so happy to do it and wishing you well going forward. Yeah, thank you. Hope you have a good rest of uh, your week and a good Thanksgiving as well. Awesome. Same to you. Enjoy.